Good morning. When I was a teacher in the classroom, I didn't let my students get away with that either. That was, that second one was way better. Tim, I'm getting a little bit of a reverb in there. If you got your Bible this morning, and I hope that you do, uh, let's go to 2 Peter. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. How is everybody today? That's the big question. I got a thumbs up down too. Ooh, two thumbs up down here. All right, all three of you are doing great. That's good. It is, let me just say before I even get into the message this morning, what an honor and a privilege it has been for the last several months um, to be able to, to share God's word with you. Um, you guys have, have just loved on us and uh, accepted us and let You've served us more than we've been able to serve you, and I really mean that. That's not just platitudes. And, uh, and so I just want to tell you how, how grateful I am and that we are to be able to, to serve you guys in, in our ministry in, the, in that way and, and look forward to when you guys finally get to the, the, the end of the process, and it is a process of finding someone uh, permanent, but nonetheless, we are glad to share the Word of God with you this morning. And uh, if I've got something I do want to share with you at the end of the service today. So after, after Charlie gets through uh, wrapping up, don't run off. i got something I want to share with you at the end of that. So if you got your Bible, go to 2 Peter chapter 1. We, I think we have some slides as well if you don't have a Bible with you. But the Bible says, we'll read a few verses and then we'll jump off uh, into the sermon. It says, Simon Peter, a, <clears throat> a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. We really do. God, I pray that you would quiet our hearts. Father, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit this morning. I pray, pray that your spirit would fill each and every person in this room. Father, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, I pray that you would draw them today into a saving knowledge and that they would give their heart and their life to you who created it. Father, this morning I pray that for those of us who are already followers, that you would speak to us from your word. They don't need to hear from me today, but we desperately need to hear from you. And Father, we just pray with all of our heart and all of our soul, you bless our time today. In Jesus' name, amen. You working on that? I hear myself twice back here, and I'm not sure how, I don't like to hear myself once, much less twice. I got a question for you. <clears throat> By raise of hand this morning, how many of you have ever felt like you just didn't measure up? Maybe you felt... Same, but I feel like I'm in a business meeting. By the same sign, uh, you ever just feel like you just didn't have what it took? You just didn't measure up to what people's expectations were. Um, there was quite a few of you that raised your hand, and so I'm glad to see that in a way because today's message is really for you. The title of my sermon this morning is simply, You Have All You Need. And especially in a situation as a church where you're in this transitionary phase, it's really easy 
um, to always be looking down the road at what's going to make everything better. If you've been married long enough to know, you know that there's always trouble. There's always something. And you're, sometimes it's easy to get your mind set in this, uh, in this pattern of kind of looking for whatever's going to come to make things a little bit better. Uh, maybe it's the job. Maybe, oh, if I could just get that one extra promotion. I know when I was in school, your guys' age, it was like, if I could just get to this next grade, or, man, if I could just get to be a senior, and then it's if I could just get to college, and then college comes at you pretty fast, and then you're like, if I could just get out of college. And so there's always easy to get into this pattern, if, if I could just get to, if I could just have, if I could just receive. And I want to look in the scriptures this morning and say that where the Bible's going to tell us, we have everything that we need. We may not have everything that we want, but we do have everything that we need. Raise your hand this morning if you've not gotten something, if you've been denied something that you really wanted. Amen? Every husband in the room should raise his hand. It's, it's, <laughs> unless you've got a 20-some-odd-foot bass boat that nobody else touches but you, you could raise your hand, right? And if you've got one of those, I'm free on Thursdays. But... As I get into this text this morning, there's a couple of things. Now, I'm gonna, it's, if you're looking for three points in a poem, it's not one of those sermons. This is one of those that we call an expository sermon. We're just going to go down this chapter line by line and verse by verse, and we're going to just suck as much of it out of it as we can of what God said to us. And we're just going to go line by line. So if you're a note taker, I apologize that you've only got this much uh, on that bulletin, but uh, I didn't give you an outline. So write small and write, you know, effective and efficient but let's look at what it says in verse 1 Simon Peter says a servant and the apostle of Christ and look what he says to those who have received a faith equal to ours if you're with us on Wednesday night this past week and then the week before last you remember we talked about the fact that we have this idea that these Bible characters are somehow different than us now in some ways I could make the argument that that's true in that I mean Peter's healing people they're raising people from the dead. One of my favorite Bible stories is when the, the Paul was preaching and he preached so long, the guy in the window fell asleep and fell out and died. I've never had that happen to me. I've never preached so long that I killed somebody. Um, but, but the apostle Paul did. And then he stops what he's doing, goes out, lays across the dude, and raises the cat from the dead. Now, that's a great way to end a service, right? And... That's not me. Never happened to me. So I, in some ways we could say that they're different, but I want to encourage you this morning that they're no better than you and me. Look what the Bible says. Don't take my word for it. He says, I'm writing a letter to those who have received a faith equal to ours. Now here's the thing. As people, we're different. If you've been around people very much at all, you know that everybody's different. Families, I've got seven children. Uh, four, one, two, three, four of those are my biological children. And even, even those that carry my genetic code are different. Each kid is different, and everybody's different. But the point that he's making in this text is, is for those of you who have received a faith equal to ours. And what that tells me is, is that the faith that the apostles, Peter, Paul, John, James, all, go down the line, the faith that they received is the same faith, the same Holy Spirit that God gives to you and me today. It's absolutely the same. So if you're out there going, oh, I'll never be fill in the blank. We're just First Baptist Church of Fruitvale, Texas. We'll never whatever. The Bible says, here's a letter 
to you who have received the same faith as the Apostle Peter, the one who preached Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. You've got the same stuff. Now, just regular people. I wrote in my notes, this is for regular people who God empowers to do extraordinary things. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, I'm just a regular people, that's probably true. Because we're all just regular people. And so is Peter. But God wants to do something. And he wants to start with your faith. Let's keep reading and look in verse 3. He says, uh, after, well, in verse 2, when he says, uh, May his grace be uh, applied to you through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus, or Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. Now, there's one couple of things I'm just, we're going to walk through and I want you to pull out if you're writing notes. The one thing that, that I need you to understand is, is that everything that you need, you already have, but it doesn't come to you because you're awesome. Okay? Raise your hand if you've ever been the last one picked on the team. I could raise both hands. But when I got married, 20, it'll be, what year is this? It'll be 27 years in April, okay? The day I got married, I weighed 112 pounds, and I was five nine and a half. I was heavy. I mean, I, I was slight. People used to ask, this is a true story. My wife's sister did our wedding photos. It was her first wedding as a photographer, and she took a ton of pictures. It was really great because they did it for free. And, and because she wanted to use our wedding as a portfolio. And she told us years later that as she would share that portfolio of our wedding with people, she all the time would get questions, why did the bride take so many pictures with the ring bearer? <laughs> that was me. I looked like I was about nine years old when we got married. So I got picked last for a lot of things. But that's okay. Because all of these things that God says, he's, he says that I have everything that I need, is not dependent on me being awesome. I don't have to get everything right. It's not dependent on me being you know, the best looking. Praise the Lord. It's not dependent on anything other than, if you look at verse 3, but His divine power. And that's why he can say this same faith that we got, Peter says, you receive. I'm writing this letter to you to let you know that it's by God's divine power. It says he's given us everything required for what? For life and for godliness. Here's the deal. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, I wish life had an, an instruction manual and somebody says God gave us one? Y'all heard that before? There's only one problem with that, and I, I tend to agree with that conceptually. But have there ever been times where you wanted the Bible to speak really specifically to something, and you just couldn't find it, couldn't figure it out, or maybe it doesn't speak to it specifically? It may speak in generalities or by concept or whatever, but it doesn't. you, you can't find the exact answer, and boy, you just wish you would, because that would make it easy, right? When you don't know what to do. But at the same time, the Bible says, hey, everything you need, for life, His divine power has provided for you. So if you're here this morning, you just don't know what to do. You don't know where to go to left. You don't know where to go right. You don't know what to do. The Bible says He's given you everything. But let's keep looking. Not only for life, but it says for godliness. I wrote down in my notes what godliness means. And then it says through the knowledge of Him. We're going to talk about godliness in a minute. And it says it does it through the knowledge of Him. I don't know why you're here today. 
I really don't. My guess is, out of my experience, that it's a mixed bag of some of you are here because mom and dad made you come. Some of you are here maybe because you kind of felt guilty you didn't come last week. I don't, I don't know. I'm not pointing finger. I'm just my experience. Maybe you're just here because it's Sunday and it's what you do. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like, no, I'm going to church because I want to go to church and see people. And I want to worship and I want to learn about the Lord. And maybe that's why you're here. But I want to tell you that coming to the place where you can fellowship with God's people, coming to a place to learn about His Word and to take it and to go do more, because it says that He's given us all of this required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and His goodness. So as we increase our knowledge of who He is, then we begin to understand that He's given us everything that we need to live life and to be godly and do what He calls us to do. And that's why in our ministry, we really push people to learn, learn, learn all that you can, not necessarily academically. There's a piece of that. But learn about who He is and what He does and how He feels how he sees things, how he responds to things, and then we bend our own will to that. So this morning, I hope you're here to learn just a little bit more about who God is. Because as you can learn more about who God is, then you'll begin, the Bible will say in just a minute, we'll read it, you'll begin to increase and understand more and more and more about what it means to get everything you need. Raise your hand with me this morning if you notice as you've gotten older, this will ex exclude some of you, but as you've gotten older, you feel like you kind of understand some things a little better than you did. If you're over 40, yeah, if you're over 40, how many of you, raise your hand, would like to go back to 20-year-old you and tell them a few things? Now, whoa, wait, wait, keep, keep your hands up. Now keep your hand up if you think 20-year-old you would listen. Not me. As we do one of our training schools, here's what I told our teachers at our training school. I said, here, I would give them a topic, and I said, what I want you to do is I want you to tell people what you wish you knew when you started. Because the older you get, the more experience you get, the more you begin to understand and see things. But then I had a realization that 20-year-old me, I had people telling 20-year-old me what I wish 20-year-old me knew, and I still didn't listen because 20-year-old me knew everything. But a Somebody said amen. Okay, according to this text, though, that it is by his own glory and goodness that he does this. Look at verse 4. He says, by these he has given us. Now, by what? By what? By, by life and God. Dude, you are so awesome. You're going to go with me everywhere. By this life and God's, but by his glory and by his goodness. You realize that by God being who he is and being good, he's given us things. Let's look what he says. He says, by these, his glory and his goodness, he has given us very great and precious promises. How many of you have had a rough time come in your life? Maybe it's been this week. Maybe it's been this month. Maybe it's been 10 or 15 years ago. Maybe you're in it today. One of the things that I hang on to as I go through difficult days, and we've been through our fair share, is that God has given us some precious, precious promises. Not the least of which is that he's going to finish everything that he starts. And so if you think you started something or you've got a family member that started off great and they're off the radar and off the rails, don't lose heart because we have a precious promise from God that he will finish what he started. 
Maybe you're here this morning and struggling and you're not sure exactly what to do with your life. But, uh, and, and God started a work in you and maybe you're pulling away. I want to encourage you that one of the precious promises that God's given you is that he will finish what he started. Sometimes we've just got to be patient, but look back at the text. He said, by these, by his glory and by his goodness, he's given us very great and precious promises. But why did he give them to us? So that through them, through what? Through the promises, you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. Raise your hand if you realize our world is corrupt. There's some messed up stuff in our world, is there not? And there's messed up stuff in churches today, too. Some of it's just not godly. How will I ever survive? Last week we talked about what it means to endure. We're going to talk about endurance again today. If you start looking through the scriptures about perseverance and enduring, you'll see that God talks about it all the time. Just hang in there. A couple of weeks ago I told you, don't quit. Look at the text. By his glory and by his goodness, he gives us promises so that two things can be accomplished if you're a rider downer. Number one is so we can share in his divine nature. Now look right at me. How many of you look in the mirror in the morning and go, that's divine nature right there? Some of you, you bet you do, bro. Uh, some, of you, some of you look at it, you know, you, you slick your eyebrows down. You say, yeah, that's pretty good, and I don't, but that's not what I'm talking about. How many of you look into those parts of your heart that you don't like to talk about, that you don't like to share people about, those places where those thoughts live that you know God can see but you don't want anybody else to see, those things that you have down in there that are dark and grungy? It's not very easy to look into those and go, oh, that's divine nature, is it? What always strikes me about the Lord is He knows me and He still loves me. But he gave us these promises by his goodness and by his glory so that we could partake in his divine nature. Do you understand the significance of what it means to partake in his divine nature? It's just like Peter said, you've received the same faith that we had. And what did they do with that divine nature? They healed the sick. They healed the lame. They raised the dead. They fed the hungry. They did all the things supernaturally that God told them to do. They spread the gospel throughout the whole world. How? Because they had received by faith this divine nature of God. That means God took something that was broken and dead and made it alive and into something. You go over into the book of Jeremiah, and he says he was told to go down to the potter's house, one of my favorite passages, and he says there the potter will be making, he's working a work on the wheel, and he was watching the potter's God, and he says while he was working it, the work was marred. I like the King James version better. It said it was marred. It was broken in the hands of the potter. In other words, the potter broke it. But then it says he took that broken pot and he remade it and refashioned it into an honorable vessel. And it's part, that's part of the process. As we grow in our knowledge and our, of the Lord Jesus Christ and we learn a little bit more and more about who he is by his goodness, by his glory, we learn about him and we begin to grow. And he begins to do things with us and he begins to put that divine nature in us. But then the second thing is, is we get to escape the corruption of this world. You ever feel like you're just swept up in something that you can't control in the world around us? I mean, it just seems to be whipping by and what's happened to our values, what happened to our families, what's happened to churches, what's happened to preachers, what's happened to this. You could look around and find a hundred things this morning that seem like they're coming unwound. Could you not? It's called corruption of this world. 
Look in your own families. Look in your own life. Can you find corruption? I can. Corruption from sin, corruption from selfishness, corruption from all kinds of things. What are we going to do about it? He says, I've given you precious promises, great promises that will help you to take on that divine nature and escape that corruption. It doesn't mean that all of it goes away and gets better. But he does give us the capacity and the ability to deal with it and to stand up under it. I'll save that for later. I was fixing to tell you something. I'll save it for later. Look at verse 5. For this very reason. For what reason? The fact that by His goodness and His glory, He has given us these great promises so that we can take on His nature, so that we can get out of the corruption. Because all this is true, verse 5, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. Now, wait a second. Theologians have this thing called the five solas. And one of them is sola fide. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of sola fide. I didn't think so. All it simply translates to is faith alone. How many have ever heard faith alone and Christ alone? Y'all ever heard that before? But here's the problem. We teach people all the time, do we not? All you need is faith. How many of you have ever heard that preached and taught before? All you need is faith. And yet I get into 1 Peter and he says, by the way, supplement your faith. You know what a supplement is? A supplement is something you add to something else because it's either incomplete or needs something else. If you've got Medicare, you need a Medicare supplement, do you not? Because Medicare won't pay for everything. If you've got insurance, AFLAC wants you to understand that you need them because it's not going to pay for everything. Y'all follow me? The supplement brings it brings something extra to the table. Now, can you survive without the supplement? Maybe. That's a great answer. Maybe. But let's talk about, he says, supplement your faith. Because here's what I want you, here's what I really want you to grasp this morning. Your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that brings you into salvation, your saving faith, is just the beginning of your walk with God. It is not the end of the story. We work everything a lot of times to where that's the end of the story. We got the conversion, we made the sale, we get to baptize, we can check it off, we turn it into the association, they count it, and we're done. That's the beginning of the story. He says, you take your faith and you supplement it. You add to your faith, not for salvation purposes, but just to grow in the knowledge of the Lord and to increase in your knowledge of who He is so you can understand more about these precious promises that He gave you that will help you to sustain yourself as you are being freed from the corruption that is in this world. Are you, are you tracking with me? Let me just say it to you like this. If you've been saved, you've been around church, and you're not increasing in the knowledge of what you know about who God is, you've got to take responsibility to figure out what it's going to take to learn more about who He is. Grab somebody that knows more than you and ask them to teach you. And they may say, well, I'm not a teacher. Just share with them what you know. The Bible says to always be ready to give a response of what the hope that lies within us. You may not know everything, but tell what you know. How many of you have ever shown somebody how to do something? And you're not the expert, but you can get by. If you've ever, okay, raise your hand if you've ever taught a teenager to drive. Yeah. Oh, have a moment of silence. And now how many of you, after you taught them everything, I mean, you showed them everything, they get out there and start driving, and you think, did they forget everything? Do they not remember what a speed limit is? Do they not remember that you have to use a turn signal? You can fill in the blank. 
That doesn't necessarily mean you taught them poorly. It also doesn't mean that you're Mario Andretti and the best driver ever. You might have forgot something. But you teach them anyway, don't you? Because you care about them and you want them to go forward. Same thing in the walk with the Lord. Let's keep reading. What is goodness? Oops, I'm ahead of myself. I need to turn my page. Before we jump into goodness, I want you to jump back to verse 3. He's going to give us a list here, and we're going to go through it real quickly. But in verse 3, he says, His divine power has given us everything. You know, there's an interesting thing about words in the Bible. Sometimes the Greek or the Hebrew, they get translated funny. So I wanted to look up that word everything and make sure we understood exactly what it means. And I went to the Greek. You know what the word everything really means? Everything. It still means everything. So he's going to give you a little list here that we're going to talk about, but he's saying everything you need in life and in godliness comes from God, and he wants to give it to you. He says supplement your faith with goodness. Goodness is simply moral excellence and moral goodness. One translator would call it virtue and personal excellence. Here's what I teach my kids. If you're going to do something, anything, I don't care what it is, if it's riding your bike, if it's folding towels, if whatever you've got before you, the Bible says to do it as unto the Lord. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing with excellence. And that simply means the best that you can do. In my house growing up, uh, the, the thing that was required of us was for us to do our best. How many of you can identify with that? Now, my daughter, my oldest daughter, is one of the most sharp humans, I've told you all about her, that I've ever met in my life. My wife graduated from high school, valedictorian of our class. I mean, I don't think she's ever made a B. Seriously, not joking, like less than a 95 on anything in all of her years of school. Very sharp. My daughter graduated with a 5.6 grade point average on a 4.0 scale. I still don't understand how that works. It's really smart people. I'm not that smart. Uh, I, I, I can hold my own. I can pretend, but I'm, I'm just not that smart. But even at that, I told them, and I told the rest of my kids, you don't always have to make straight A's. That's not, that's not the bar. Unless straight A's is your best. Now, if straight C's is the absolute best you can do, hurrah, we celebrate mediocrity in our household as long as it's your best. And I look in this and it says, you supplement your faith with excellence, with goodness. Do your best. Well, I may get it wrong. I may mess it up. And my question would be to you, but are you doing your best? That's you supplement your faith with your best effort. You say, but I don't know anything about the Bible. Well, but have you read it? If the, <laughs> somebody chuckled. That's, that seems simple, but seriously, if you don't and you haven't read it, you've not yet given your best effort. Say, but I can't read. I would love to introduce you to a guy named uh, Dwayne Blue. Has anybody ever met Dwayne, never heard of Dwayne Blue? His wife's name is Iris. She used to own strip clubs in Dallas, and she got saved and closed them up. And then she met this dude after she got saved named Dwayne Blue. They had a boy named Denim. I can't make it up. <laughs> it's the truth. And he was, in, he was a grown man, lived in a 72 international school bus, could not read. 
couldn't read anything. Well, they started dating. I'm not even sure how they got together. So for Christmas one year, she found out he couldn't read. He tried to keep it quiet, and she gave him the Bible on audio cassette tape so he could listen to the Bible. She was trying to get him saved, and it offended him so bad. He, he didn't want it. He got mad, wouldn't see her anymore. Long story short, they wound up getting married because he came to know the Lord, got saved, and to this day, he taught himself how to read so he could read the Bible, and he only reads the Bible. He literally does not read any other books, doesn't read the news. It's part of his testimony. He said, I taught myself to read, to read the Bible. So if you're here this morning, you've never read in the Bible, you've never studied, and you say, but I just don't know how, even if you can't read, learn to read so that you can read the Bible. Give it your best shot. You say, well, I just don't know what I'm doing. Well, then find someone. Give it excellence. We've got to keep going. The Bible then says, he says, supplement your faith with goodness and your goodness or your excellence with knowledge. And it kind of, for me, goes right together. Um, you look up the word knowledge, and it's simply understanding or advanced knowledge. Um, and it's like this. It's like knowing between right and wrong. I just don't know what to do. Find out. That's what he's saying. Faith is great. But you supplement that with your best efforts and knowledge, which means if you don't know, you ask. In our family, there's no such thing as a stupid question unless it's one you don't ask. That's, that's kind of our rule. Ask questions. Y'all ever work for somebody who gets frustrated with you because you ask too many questions? I, I had a boss like that one time. He just did not want me to ask questions. I figured out later that what he really wanted instead of me asking questions is he wanted me to come in with at least having tried my answers once or twice. He told me one time, he says, don't come back in here with another question until you've tried it on your own. You build your own knowledge and then I'll come in and help you tweak it. I want to encourage you this morning. The Bible says you've been given everything you need by God, by his goodness. But with that faith that he's given you, that same faith that he's given you that the apostles had, he said you supplement that with excellence and knowledge, which means you've got to learn. Our ministry slogan is learn, teach, repeat. Step one is if you don't know, you need to learn. That's part of the Great Commission is that somebody who's already learned, they have the job to teach you all the things that God has commanded. And if you don't know them, then it's your responsibility to take the effort to learn and add to your faith knowledge. Let's keep reading. Verse 6, he says, you add to your knowledge or supplement your knowledge with self-control. That simply means temperance. The dictionary says, one who has mastered his desires and his passions, especially the sensual ones. He says, be excellent. Learn all you can and then control yourself. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> we're not, we're not, it's not that sort of a service. We don't want to out everybody. But I promise you, everybody in this room has got something. Some desire. And the book of James will tell us that sin is actually not everybody else's fault. When we get tempted, we're not tempted with everybody else's weak spots. We're tempted on the desires that come out of our own flesh. So if you find yourself caught in a circle of sin and you can't get out, it's because Satan has tapped into your own desires and tempts you into uh, to pursuing those and satisfying those, which ultimately leads to death and destruction. Are you following me? And remember, earlier on we said one of the things he gives us, he gives us these promises so that what? We can escape the corruption of the desires of this world and that includes the ones in our own heart. 
So if you're fighting about being trapped with your own, and it may, it may be for lust, it may be for money, that you just pursue money uh, to a place that you shouldn't. It may be that you've got wandering eyes uh, on somebody else's spouse and it's not your own. It may be that you're just angry at, at the world or you've got bitterness. It may be that you've got unforgiveness in your heart. Fill in the blank. I don't know what it is. Maybe your weakness um, is, is food or binge watching Netflix. I don't know. Fill in the blank, but it comes from right here. And he says, to your faith, supplement it with goodness, with knowledge, and self-control. And then he says this, you supplement your self-control with endurance. There's that word again. Does anybody have any idea why you think God keeps talking to us through his word about endurance? Anybody got any? Y'all always got it. What you got this time? Why does he keep telling us to stay at it? This kid's going with me everywhere I go. <laughs> let, me, let, me tell you, let me tell you something. I kind of grew up in this world where I thought that if God was blessing me, that everything was going to be fine. If you watch t TV preachers and things like that, the Word of Faith movement will tell you that all you got to do is have enough faith, and you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. You'll have everything you want. You can fly jets. You'll never have a bill, and you're never going to be sick. It's a lie. It's a lie. And I know it's a lie because if you look into this text, it never really worked out that way. It didn't even work out that way for Jesus. You follow me? But the Bible says, he said, Jesus said, they hated me. They're going to hate you. They're going to come after you. They're going to kill you. You're going to need to endure. You're going to need to stand up under the hard times. And he says, you've got everything you need in order to do that. Through the faith and the Holy Spirit of God, through the same faith that the apostles had when they were getting beaten, when they were getting stoned, they were getting run out of town, when they were getting rejected by the people around them, by the people that they loved. He said, you've got everything you need, but you need to supplement your faith that, 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 that I've given you with endurance. In other words, lace up your shoes, get up, and take another step. Life is hard. Y'all realize that? And the Bible will even say that narrow is the way, but hard, difficult is the path. That's why not many there be that find it. Everybody's looking for an easy pass into heaven. And I'm telling you, we've sold a bill of goods to a lot of people. Because that's not what the Bible says. It may be simple, but it's not easy. But then you inject the Holy Spirit of God with this supernatural power that he's talking here. Remember in verse, in verse 3, he says, By his divine power, when he injects that into your life, all of a sudden we're able to traverse this very difficult path. It doesn't mean it's all roses and wonderful, but it's joyful. And, and as I, the older I get and the more bad days that I have, because of my stand and the stance that we take and the things we do before the Lord... I'm beginning to understand how the disciples could be beaten, ridiculed, rejected, and walk away joyful and rejoicing. I mean, it's, is that not strange? They get the yogurt beat out of them and they're like, woohoo, that was awesome. I've never been whipped and thought, man, let's do that again. But they seem to walk out of those situations with a very different attitude than I tend to. Because of this divine power, because they understood something in Philippians chapter 3 that talks about how the fellowship of the suffering of Jesus is part of knowing who he is. And if we don't get to where we know who he is, none of what we do is worth anything. It's just stuff. 
We're just checking off our list. We've got to know who he is. Let's keep reading. With endurance, verse 6, <clears throat> with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection. Uh, that's the phileo uh, type. And, and let me just translate it for you in, in verse 7. Supplement your faith with kindness. How many of you in kindergarten had a teacher that told you just to be kind? Be nice. You don't have to agree with everybody, but you can be nice, right? You can be nice. I'm not always nice. Can I just confess that to you? And it's sinful. Sometimes I'm mean to people. You say, oh, you can't, you're not supposed to say that. You're a preacher and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, just like Peter wasn't always nice to people either. The guy who wrote this book got confronted. We got a record of it by the Apostle Paul for being a racist bigot. After Pentecost, deep into his walk with the Lord, he would, I mean, he had seen miracles, performed miracles, and he still went back to some of his old ways. You know what that tells me? There's hope for me because I'm not perfect yet either. And so I look in this text. He says, endure. And then he says, be nice. Supplement your faith with kindness. Let me, add, let me, let me just say this. Y'all look right at me and listen to me. If your faith is breeding hatred and bitterness coming out of your mouth and out of your heart, you need to read this text because it's not what he calls us to do. We can have standards. We can draw lines. But we also can be kind. That doesn't mean we compromise what we believe, but we are to be kind, to supplement our faith. Be nice. If we think it's good enough for our kids, why is it not good enough for us as adults? Just be nice. And then he says, you supplement that with love, and it's a different kind of love. He uses that word agape. It's a God kind of love. Let me ask you this. Think of right now in your mind's eye, I want you to think of the one person this is an exercise. This is tough. I understand what I'm about to do and ask you to do. I want you to think of the one person that you dislike. I might even use the word hate the most. Whether it's a public figure, whether it's somebody in your family, a coworker, a boss, I don't care who it is. I want you to think about them right now. That when you see them, stuff wells up inside of your flesh that's not pretty and not ugly and it makes you want to say things that you ought not say. Think about them for a second, then I'm going to ask you a question. Do you love them the way God does? Don't answer it. My guess is no. And I would submit to you this morning that the Bible would tell you, because of this divine power, because of these great promises, because of his goodness and his godliness, he's given you everything you need for life and goodness and godliness, and he's given you everything you need. And then he says, you supplement that with being nice, and you supplement that with love for them. And here's what I would ask you to do. If you don't have it, if you can say, no, I don't love them, then I want you to start praying for them every day and ask God to build a love for them in your heart. That doesn't mean you have to agree with them. That doesn't mean you have to give a standard. It doesn't mean anything other than ask God to break your heart for them because they might just need to know him. When people get under my skin, it's really hard for me to pray that God would save them. I feel like Jonah and the Ninevites. You think Jonah loved the Ninevites? According to the text, he didn't. He didn't want to go. And it's not just that he didn't want to take a road trip. He didn't want the Ninevites to be saved. And we know this because when God did what he did, which was miraculous, he got mad at God. I knew you were going to do that. 
I mean, have you ever seen someone come down and get saved, give their heart to the Lord, and maybe you didn't say it out loud, maybe you never said it to another human being, but in your mind you thought, yeah, right. Or maybe it's the other way around and you think, I can't believe that person. I know that person. That's the meanest, ugliest person I know. Down there giving their heart to Jesus. <laughs> we, guys, I'm just being real. Now, we might have the wisdom to never say that out loud, but that doesn't mean we don't think it sometimes. That's why the Bible says take every thought captive and give it to Jesus and say, God, I'm sorry I felt that way. Because we don't just have to act to sin. He says it's on the, you don't just have to say mean things to have sinned. He says if you look on his heart and there's hatred in your heart, you've already committed murder according to the Bible. That's why he said you don't even have to commit adultery to, have, to be guilty before the Lord. You just have to have, do it in your mind. Boy, he raises the bar, does he not? That's why he says supplement your faith with knowledge, with goodness, with endurance, with kindness, and with love. Then he says in verse 8, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure. Now what does that tell you? If you possess these qualities in an increasing measure, doesn't that tell you that you had to start somewhere? How many of you have always known everything you already know right now? Nobody. You ever start a job, first day on the job, and it seemed really simple when they were talking about it, when you got in there and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I used to work with a guy, well, I'm in the computer business, and it doesn't seem that hard. And I like to hear him talk about he was learning to program, and for the first like three months, he said about twice a day, he'd go into the bathroom and lock the door and just beat his head against the wall and think, I, there's no way I'm ever going to get this. But he persevered, and he found, and today, one, as of right now, as years later, he's one of the best computer programmers I know. He stuck with it, but there for a while, he was like, this is just Greek to me. I don't understand anything. I feel so dumb. I look in this text, and he says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless and fruitful. Remember when we got up here and I asked you, have you ever felt useless? Almost everybody in the place raised their hand. How many of you have ever felt useless and unfruitful in the work of the Lord? Uh, can I just share with you all a little bit from my own heart this morning a little bit? Thank you. As a, as a backwoods country pastor of a small church, can I just tell you what goes through pastors' hearts? When they see somebody else's church booming, people coming, getting saved, baptizing, whether they can control it with their mind or not, there's a part of their soul that's like, oh, I wish that was me. I wish that was us. That's not the proper outlook, I will mind you, but it's the flesh. Our flesh does that. And it's like, have you ever looked over at somebody and they're like, man, their marriage is perfect. Well, first let me tell you, no, it's not. But have you ever felt that way? You, you look over the, the deal and you feel useless and unfruitful. Maybe in the ministry you think, oh, I'm trying to work with the kids and they're just not getting it. I'm teaching them on Wednesday nights and they look at me. I, I was teaching a group of boys one time and I would be telling them all about the Bible and we'd do something I'd ask them, so tell me what you learned today. And they'd be like, I, I watched Transformers and then and there was this battle. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Where have you been for the last 20 minutes? We've been talking about Jonah. You know, Optimus Prime, I'm like, I don't even get it, you know. And so you start to feel that way. I've been a pastor teaching the Word of God and, and see people just not grow and felt useless. 
But the Bible says, because here's what you want to do. You want to challenge your emotions with fact, right? The Bible says, if you will increase your measure of these things, what things? These things that you supplement your faith with, this goodness, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, if you will increase those things, the Bible says it will keep you from being useless and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you will just take the active measure empowered by the divine power of God that he talks about in verse 3 and just step forward and do these things, he says you will be fruitful. I want to encourage you this morning. I'm not trying to pat you on the back or give you platitudes, but we were sitting across the road today when we got here in park, and you guys have been without a pastor for quite a while. And you know what usually happens, especially in small churches when, we're, when you're pastorless. People just go away. Attendance wanes. Giving wanes. People's endurance begins to take a hit. But it's a testimony to your grit that it seems to have... You guys seem to have held together, not because you're awesome, but I think because God has implanted his divine power and given you the ability to do it, to not be fruitless. That's fruit. And it doesn't matter if there's 100 people or 10 people. As long as you are increasing in these things, there will be fruit that God can use. And he says, if you'll just do this, you won't be. Verse 9, the person, however, he does the flip side of this, who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Can I say that in a different way? If you've been saved and you refuse to supplement your faith with these things, he says you're blind and you've forgotten what he saved you from. Because here's the deal. God didn't just save you from sin. He saved you to service. He didn't just save you from hell. He saved you to a relationship with him. We have sold this bill of goods that all that salvation is about is a get-out-of-hell-free card. That may be a great result of it, but the real thing is, is he's inviting you into a relationship with the creator God of the universe, the one who spoke light and the sun happened. He says, I want to know you intimately. And we often say, no, I got, I'm good. Look in verse 10 real quick. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. <clears throat> because if you do these things, you will never stumble. This is not talking about if you do these things, you'll be saved. But what he does say is this, is as a believer and follower of Jesus, if you'll make every effort to do these things, you'll stay straight. That doesn't mean your path won't look like this, but it'll at least be generally going in the right direction. Until one day when he completes us and makes us good. Y'all ever done something and 30 seconds later you think, man, I wish I hadn't done that? You ever said something and thought, ooh, was that out loud? When you see the face of the person that you hurt when you said it. And you can't take it back. So what do you do then? Well, the Bible says to supplement your faith with goodness and kindness. Sometimes you just need to say, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? That was wrong. I wish I had a dollar for every time I've had to go to my children and say, I'm sorry, that was wrong. But I want to tell you, if you're a parent here today or a grandparent, you want to talk about something powerful, admit to your children and grandchildren when you mess up and quit trying to hide it. Because let me tell you something, they already know. But it'll do them a world of good for them to see some godly maturity that says, I'm not perfect, but I sure would like to be. Forgive me. The Bible says in verse 11, <clears throat> for in this way, 
entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Remember a few weeks ago I told you to look for the things of the kingdom? How do I find the things of the kingdom? How does the way of the kingdom get provided for me? He says you do these things. Supplement your faith with goodness, with godliness, kindness, love, endurance. Work on those things and you'll see the kingdom. It'll be provided. Verse 12 says, therefore, this is where I'm going to leave you with. He says, therefore, I will always remind you about these things. Y'all ever hear a preacher preach a message and you're like, didn't he just preach on that? Sometimes I find myself putting together a whole different sermon, different text, and I think, but I'm still saying the same stuff I said the last three times. The apostle Peter says, I will always remind you about these things, even though you know them. Have you ever checked out of a sermon or a lesson and about halfway through thought, I've heard this a million times? Yeah, I see y'all shaking your head. Y'all know. And it's easy to do. I want to encourage you, don't do that. Because look what he says about the reasoning. He says, I know you know it and are established in the truth you now have. I know you know this, he's saying. Verse 13. But I think it's right, as long as I'm in this bodily tent, to wake you up with a reminder since I know that I will soon lay aside my tent as the Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me. In other words, he says, I'm about to die. But he says, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to keep reminding you of these basic things. Why? Because by God's goodness and holiness and glory, by his power, he said, I'm going to give you everything you need for life, everything you need for godliness. And if you'll just supplement your faith with these things, and he says, I'm going to keep telling you till I can't tell you anymore. Because that's the way to know who God is and know how the kingdom works is just to keep pursuing him. You just keep pursuing. But I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Just keep pursuing him because John chapter 16 says the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. You pursue the kingdom and the kingdom will find you. And the kingdom will reveal himself to you. And you will begin to learn. And then he says in verse 14, oh, excuse me, verse 15, the last verse for the day. And I will also make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure. I thought that was an interesting way for him to end that section because he started it with, you have everything you need. Here they are. Reminder, this is everything you need. And he says, I'm going to keep telling you this over and over and over again so that when I'm dead, you'll know exactly what you need to do. When I can't tell you anymore, you'll know exactly what you need to do. Our ministry is learn, teach, repeat, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Talking about, to, uh, uh, that he says to Timothy, he said, you take these things and, and give them to faithful men so they may be able to teach others also. This idea of this circular deal. We just keep telling each other the same stuff over and over and over again so that if the day were to come that someone can't stand here, whether it's a pandemic or a, or a law or a persecution or whatever, it doesn't matter because if we know what we need to do to pursue God, then we'll be able to bring it back at any time. There's a reason that teachers tell little children to say their ABCs over and over and over again and they go, ah, ah, apple, ah, ah, apple, buh, buh, ball, but they, they do it over and over so that as they grow and they encounter words that they don't know, they can read them. They may not know what they mean, but they know how they sound. It's called phonics. Y'all with me? Learning about God's kind of the same way to me. We just got to keep telling ourselves the basic things. We think that the gospel's for lost people, and it is, but the gospel is for you and me too. 
If you look at the writings of Paul outside of the times where he was correcting behavior, that dude had one sermon. Jesus Christ, him crucified, resurrected, coming again, and he saves you because you're not worthy of being saved, but now you are because he's saved. That's his only sermon. And he preached it everywhere he went over and over and over. Peter says, I'm going to keep reminding you these things. So I wanted this morning to just remind you. If you want to grow in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, if you want to grow closer to him, you have everything you need. You may not know everything you need to know, but there are people out there that can teach you, that can show you. And if you can't find them, open the book and just start. Where should I start reading? Again, start at the front. If you really want to get wrecked, go to 1 John. Just start reading and pray that the Holy Spirit of God will do what He promised in John 16 to lead you into all truth, and He will do it. And He will reveal Himself to you, and it will be rich, and it will be great. And that's a promise that He gave us. That's one of those great and precious promises. This morning, I want to encourage you. You've got everything you need to partake of this divine nature, to be rescued from corruption, and to not be fruitless and useless. Everything you need, you already have. Stand with me. Father, we love you. We pray today that as we sing, we lift up one more time to you, Father, a, a word of praise. We pray you would inhabit it. We pray that you would remind us, Father, that your spirit has given us all things through your word, through your spirit of presence, that you teach us all things. I pray that we would not feel useless. I pray that we would not feel fruitless, but fruitful and useful because we are supplementing our faith with the things of, that you told us to, of excellence, of endurance, of goodness, kindness, and of love. Father, you gave us those things with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Self-control. Help us to become stronger, not because we're awesome, but because you've empowered us. Help us, Father, to become more like Jesus. We love you, and we thank you for your word through Peter. I thank you for this church and the people and what they mean to us. Father, I pray this morning that you would just continue to bless, continue to mold us and make us into what you'd have us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.